if you haven't, I would suggest going back, starting at week one, and you know, doing a refresher on some of the different aspects of understanding spiritual authority that we've looked at. And so today we're going to look at um, authority in the church. And before you just get up and leave, because uh, <laughs> we've all had bad experiences with authority in the church, out of the church, um, but we've but for as many bad examples, which is that's typically what we talk about is the bad examples. <laughs> we don't usually talk a whole lot about the good examples, but there are a lot of good experiences. Has anyone had some good experiences with authority in the church? Praise God. I know that I have, and, I, and I'm standing here because of that authority. Praise God. I'm not down a, a different road today uh, because of the good experiences um, with church leadership, church authority. Praise God. But church authority, you know, you say that, and that's a pretty broad term. And so what we're going to do this morning is we're going to, I'm going to do my best. We're going to jump back to Genesis, and we're going to look at how did God originally design this? What was God's original intents when he was thinking about church authority? And so if we look at Genesis 129 and, 30, and verse 31, it says, And God said, this is God speaking to Adam. He said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed, which is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree, and and the which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat. So in the very beginning, Adam really had a good gig here. He had, him and Adam and Eve, they had lots of options, lots of freedom to enjoy all the things that the garden had. Praise God. So oftentimes when we think about authority or rules, we always look at what I can't do. But when God was originally doing, do, passing this stuff out, it was Adam and Eve. They had lots of options, lots of freedom inside of his plan, praise God. And so where did all this come from? Verse 31, it says, And God saw everything that he had made. It came from God. And behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Jumping down to Genesis chapter 2, verses 16, uh, in chapter, verses 16 through 18, it says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayst free, freely eat. You've got lots of options, lots of freedom, lots of you know, able to move around the cabin. Verse 17, but God said, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest of it, thou shalt surely die. So in the beginning, when everything was working the way it should, we see God giving parameters to man and man having responsibility to further delegate those parameters to those submitted under him. In the church, when it's functioning the way God originally designed, it should look the same. Praise God. And so since the time of the garden, God has always chosen to rule through mankind. So this is the picture. God is the ultimate authority. He gives us delegated authority, parameters to follow, lots of freedom, lots of options. But then, but then it's on us to decide how we respond to those parameters that God has set forth. But God knows that this is best done not only in isolation. How many know that even when you're all, when you're all by yourself, you should still follow the parameters of God? But it's also, done, it's also best done in community. And in verse 18, it says, And Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him and help me. And again, we know that has a lot to do with marriage. But I think the principle applies that when God was looking at Adam, he's, and he had laid all this out, God said, Hey, it's best for Adam, it's best for mankind to have a community of people around them to help them obey and follow all of the parameters that I have set forth for them. And so man supervising God's creation in harmony with his word, and that's what we're striving for. And that worked, and it works today, and it was working for Adam and Eve really well until they blew it. <laughs> and did they ever? <laughs> they had it really good, and then not so much. 
So people wreck God's established order when they choose who and what they wish to obey. When a church or the church gets this buffet type of attitude, things get thrown off course. People will often say, well, it's no biggie. It's just, I just don't care. I don't see it. I don't understand. I, 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 you know, I just don't care. I'm going to do things my way. Uh, you know, I don't see it that way. Or, you know, there's all different kind of things that we've said or we've, hear, you know, we've heard people say. But why do we say those things? Well, we say those things because of what Paul was telling the Romans church in Romans chapter 8. He says, for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. And then he further clarifies all of those things into the church in Galatian, the works of the flesh. Uh, and he gives this whole big list of all of these different things that cause us to get ourselves unaligned with, with God's authority. And it's a big list. And then he, and he basically ends the list with, hey, and if you're doing these things, you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. So if you don't know what that list is, I would, I would highly recommend, I'd highly recommend reading, reading that. But then he continues on in verse 5, and he says, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. And then, again, in Galatians chapter 5, Paul, he, he goes into all of the, the fruit of the spirit, the love, the joy, the peace, the long-suffering, etc. And so he's casting this diagram here of like, hey, if you're after the flesh, you're going to mind the things of the flesh. But if you're after the spirit, the things of the spirit. And then he continues on in verse 6 of, of Romans, he says, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can it be. So, so then they that are after the flesh cannot please God, which is a, which is a big deal. We, we want to be pleasing to God. And so the sum of it is this, is that carnal people, carnal people don't like to be told what to do. My kids, for example, they're pretty carnal right now. They don't, you know, they don't have God's spirit, you know, yet, and we're still shaping them, and so they don't like to be told what to do. But sometimes I don't like to be told what to do either, so it's a, it's, it's a tension that we're all wrestling with. It says, but spirit-led people have this posture that they're, they're, they're more saying, whatever God has spoken, whatever God has written, lead me that way. I just want to be led. If you're spirit-led, that is the posture that we should have is just lead me in the way that God has best designed it to be. What his word says, what his plan is, just lead me. Whether I understand it or not, whether I get it or not, whether I agree with it or not, sometimes just lead me that way because that's the best way. And that's spirit-led. Praise God. And so in the beginning... Genesis 1.27 says, so God created man in his own image, and the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. And this image here, resemblance or representative figure, man was created in God's image. It's something really special. We could spend weeks just talking about that, but that's super special that we were made in God's image. Genesis 5 then says, this is the book of generations of Adam and the day that God created man in the likeness of God made he him. Male and female created he them and blessed them and called their name Adam in the day when they were created. But then verse 3 says, And Adam lived 130 years and begot a son in his own likeness, after his image. So we can see the, the, the shift here is that in the beginning, Adam was created in God's image, but then Adam had a son in his own image. And so Adam was originally made in God's image, but then rebellion caused the sin to enter into the world. And every person after Adam and Eve, that sin, that nature, that sin nature was with them. Praise God. You can, <laughs> I wish I had some more time, but 
running out, you know, you know me, I'm always running out of time. You got 12 pages and you guys only have 10 pages worth of attention. <laughs> All right, over there. Um, but literally, I said something this morning to my son. He was looking through his, his football cards, and he came across this player, and he, and he was like, Dad, who is this? And I told him, I was like, oh, man, that guy's retired. And so like five or ten minutes later, he, he, he's telling my wife about these football cards, and he comes across this player, and, and he basically verbatim said the exact same thing that I said to my wife that I had told him about this player. And, and, that's, and that's the thing here is that we are going to reproduce who we are. So we have to be careful. We do have to be careful, and I'm chief of sinners, praise God. You can ask anyone that knows me, or rather, or don't do that. But thanks be to God that Jesus restored hope for humanity. And Paul says this in, Col- in Colossians, says, in whom we have redemption. Redemption for what? Redemption to, redemption to restore us back to what God had originally designed. And he did this through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. And so Jesus, Jesus Christ restored the image, praise God. And from the Garden of Eden to the present, man's rebellious nature would be born into us. But praise be to God that the gospel takes care of our sin problem. Obeying the gospel, following the gospel, restores that relationship with God. But the battle of our rebellious nature, it goes on. Paul, to the Corinthians church, he said, verse 15, says, For the first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. And as the earthy, such are they also that are earthy. And as... Is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. And as we have been born the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Now this I say, brethren, that the flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. And you're probably like, what? That We don't even talk that way anymore. What does that even mean? In other words, this is what Jesus said. He says, marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. Is that that first birth, it was an earthy birth. It was from earth. It was the rebellious birth. But this is why we have to be born again. It's because that second birth is a heavenly birth. And that's where we get the life and the peace. So that was a super long introduction. But the problem with church authority is usually not church authority. <laughs> it's usually me. <laughs> it's us. We're the ones usually that have, we're the ones that are trying to rebel and go our own way and do our own thing. And so the huge long introduction was really, hey, if we could just get ourselves right, Church authority would sound like pictures of golden apples of silver, the psalmist said. And so, hey, we got to get ourselves right, and then the church authority stuff, it's, it's super easy. And so God requires man to obey his administration via his administrators. And so who are the authorities in your life? Who are the authorities in your life? If you can't put a name to them, you are only fooling yourself. You don't know, or if you've never said out loud, or if you've never established that relationship, and that's sort of kind of a weird thing, um, you know, but it doesn't have to be a weird thing or an awkward thing. Sometimes it's just a, hey, Pastor Dornbach, I just want to let you know that you have the authority to speak into my life anytime, any place, anywhere, and I'm going to do my best to listen. <laughs> and he's like, okay, I'm never doing that. <laughs> but again, you're only fooling yourself, because honestly, you know, all decisions, whether you like them or not, are judged openly. And there's nothing, there's no private matters. And so we can see if you're submitted or not. It can be pretty obvious to everybody whether or not you're submitted. Praise God. Yeah. Praise God. And so we have to know who we are submitted to. Hebrews 13 in a passage writes, uh, starting in verse 16, 
It says, but to do good and to communicate, forget not. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. And this King James communicate uh, comes from this Greek, uh, Greek word, koionos or something. But it really has to do with this, this shared approach. It says a participant who mutually belongs and shares fellowship or a joint participant. And so what are we joining in? What are we participating in? Well, he goes on, he says, verse 17, he says, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give an account. And so the writer here is saying, hey, this is a, a partnership that you're living in such a way and you're obeying them that have a rule over you and, you know, and they're giving an account for your soul. So do it in a way that it makes it easy for them to give an account. Praise God. And that's what he said, continues on in verse 17, says that they may do it with joy and not with grief. And why? Because that is unprofitable for you. I mean, it's unprofitable for us for, for us to get ourselves unaligned and, and out of discourse and, and have certain attitudes or approaches to our church, our, our church authority. Praise God. And we do, by, we do have great church authority. Praise God. Okay. So we're in a, you guys, we're, us, we're in a good, in a good place. Okay. Praise God. Yeah, that's. And the church authority, they can't double my salary any more than it already is. So it's, there's no, I'm not getting any kickbacks or anything. But I truly believe that we are in a really good place. And we have really awesome authority. And God has really blessed us. And so this, this is, you know, this is easy stuff right now. Verse 18, the writer continues on. He says, pray for us, for we trust we have good conscience in all things willing to live honestly. He says, now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do. Not just to hear, not just to hear about it, not just for someone to come up here and, you know, say some words out of the Bible, but for us to receive those words and actually do something with them. Okay, it's not just about hearing a good word or, or, or being in, around a good word or reading a good word, but it's the follow-through. It's the doing. That's what the church leadership is here to help us to do, to do the work, to do to his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Praise God. So it's interesting to note here that the specific authority that we're to submit to are those individuals that watch for our souls. Okay. And so they're, you know, I mean, that's a pretty big task, <laughs> okay? If you've ever tried, you know, I mean, for, for us that are parents, you know, we're trying to watch over our kids. We're trying to make sure that we've got gates and doors and little hatches and hinges and things. And, you know, we block certain entrances. And we really go out of our way to make sure to keep, our, you know, our children safe from harm. And that's really what our, our church authority and our church leadership is trying to do, what our pastor is trying to do. Is they're trying to put all those hinges in place, the barriers, the walls, you know, to make sure everything is locked up just right for our safety, for our benefit. Praise God. So hopefully that, you know, hopefully you know, you know, that he's, you know, they're sitting right here, you know. So that's, this is who our church leadership is, our the church authority is. Our brother Foster and sister Tanya, I know that they hear from God for our church as well. And there's other individuals at different levels of church authority that can speak into our lives and direct us. And so, but we must be submitted to them and we must have their face ever before us. And like, and like the writer said, that we need to pray for them. Now, we need to pray for them so that they can do what they need to do and we can be receptive to that so that we can receive that word um, and be changed. Praise God. 
In Ezekiel chapter 33, this is what Ezekiel writes from the Lord. He says, but if the watchman sees the enemy coming and doesn't sound the alarm to warn the people, he is responsible for their captivity. They will die in their sins, but I will hold the watchman responsible for their deaths. And so a pastor and these different spiritual authorities, they're under a pretty huge weight to let us know, hey, if the right thing or the way or the word from God, because it's going to be on their shoulders if they don't say that word. And so that's a huge responsibility. And I know that he doesn't take that in any, you know, I know any pastor or you know, any person in authority, that, that's a pretty heavy thing that they don't take lightly. Verse 7 says, now, son of man, I am making you a watchman for the people of Israel. Therefore, listen to what I say and warn them for me. So this is pastor doing this on behalf of God for us. If I announce that some wicked people are sure to die and you fail to tell them to change their ways, then they will die in their sins and I will hold you responsible for their deaths. It's like a no win. So if you're out there dying and making decisions, if I'm out there dying and making decisions and, and pastor doesn't come and say, stop doing that, change your ways, then we're both, I'm going to die and they're going to be held responsible. And so he's doing his part, but then I, I have to receive that word. Verse 9 says, but if you warn them to repent and they don't repent, they will die in their sins, but you will be saved yourself. And so there's a huge burden that's lifted when the word comes forth, but then it falls on our shoulders to follow through with that. Okay, and that's, again, that's a scary place to be is that, you know, hey, you will die in your sins. It's not going <laughs> to, you're not going to be able to stand before Jesus and be like, well, my pastor didn't tell me. <laughs> like, really? <laughs> I'm pretty sure he did. It was just you didn't listen. <laughs> and we've all been there, praise God. So a watchman warns, but the people have to make up their own mind to obey. 1 Thessalonians 5, 11 through 15 says, Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men, see that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. And so Paul, to the church in Thessalonians, he's just, again, rem again, there's so many reminders of know them that labor among you, honor them because they watch for your souls, they're giving account. And so Paul, just to every single church, everywhere he went, he was just giving this reminder that, hey, these, are, these people, these church authority, these pastors, these people that the fivefold ministry that, that God has given us, they're, they're there for our benefit. Praise God. And we need to know them. We need to, 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 to know who's laboring among us, to, who's over us. And we need to esteem them highly in love for their work's sake. I mean, we all have problems, you know, and sometimes it's just hard enough to bear the weight of your own family's problems. But I can't, I can't even imagine the weight of having to bear all of your own problems and the problems of all the church. Uh, and all the people that, you know, that come through here. That was, you know, a lot of times we don't even, you know, we, people are constantly coming up to pastor, hey, who, where was so-and-so? Or where was so-and-so? You know, and, and that's, a, that's a huge weight. And sometimes we're like, well, you know, pastor's going to take care of that. I'll keep, I'll keep going. I'm running out of time. Someone's about to kick me out. So this is the last words of Stephen right before his stoning in Acts chapter 7. He says, then they cried with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord. 
And they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the young man's feet, whose name was Saul. They stopped their ears. We can choose to close our ears or open them to the pulpit. We stop our ears by not obeying what is being taught. We leave the service with no warfare in our souls. Our conscience doesn't wrestle anymore. We are choosing what we would like and what we don't like. And this is a dangerous place to be in. It's a dangerous place to leave a service and to be like, I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to do my own thing, and I'm going to do it my own way. Praise God. Let's stand. Before the musicians come, I just want to take an awesome opportunity to lift our hands, to say, God, <laughs> look at my heart. Heavenly Father, look at us today, Lord. Father, look at our hearts. Look at our minds. Father, help us to examine our ways in such an honest and transparent way with ourselves. Father, help us to see whether or not we're truly aligned, Father, to the spiritual authority that you've put in our place. God, help us to have hearts and minds, Lord, that are open to the word that is coming off of this pulpit, that is coming out of pastor's mouth. God, help us to receive that word this morning and in the future. God, in the past words that have been spoken, God, and help us to align ourselves with that word. Help us to align ourselves with your word, God, Lord, with the word that you're giving him, Lord, with your plan, Jesus. God, help us not to have a buffet attitude, God, where we're just going to take a little bit here and a little bit there, and we're going to do things our own way, but... God, help us to have hearts that are submitted to you, God, a heart and mind, God, that willingly, God, submits to your authority, God, that you've delegated Jesus. Praise God. Thank you.